Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. God says, for the Israelites and for the foreigners, those who want to be a part of the group, okay, he addresses that and I appreciate that. So part of my little side note there, you do with that whatever you will. Maybe you think less of me now. Maybe you appreciate me more now. I don't know. I don't really care. Um, But all I know is that, man, the Lord, he's going after Jews and Gentiles. Even from the Old Testament, we see him going after Jews and Gentiles. Kind of cool. Sometimes we misunderstand God in the Old Testament as being exclusively for Israel. Israel did and still does have a special place in his heart, and he has a unique purpose and use for them. But he was never only the God of Israel. He chose them to serve as an example and a blessing to the world around them of what it looks like to follow God as a nation. As Pastor James will point out in today's message, God has always desired for all men, Jew or Gentile, to put their faith in him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Leviticus chapter 15 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. He will put on the holy linen garments and purify the most holy place, the tabernacle, the altar, the priest, the entire congregation. This is a permanent law for you to purify the people of Israel from their sins, making them right with the Lord once each year. Moses followed all these instructions exactly as the Lord had commanded him. So here's here's the deal. This day of atonement, this is, again, the most holy holiday for these guys. This should be a day of like absolute celebration because God says himself, you don't have to do anything. You don't don't make a sacrifice for yourself. The high priest will make the sacrifice for you on this day. It's a Sabbath day of rest for you. So stop working to try to cover your sins. The high priest, he's got you. He's got you. Every day, this side of the cross is a day of atonement. Quit trying to work to cover your sins. Trust Jesus as the high priest. He's done the work. It's beautiful. This is amazing. Like For these guys, they got one day out of the year for you and for me every single day. Every single day. Quit trying to cover for your own sins. Quit trying to atone for your own sins. You can't do it. So why drive yourself crazy or stress yourself out? And look, it, exercise self-control, that's an issue. But you, you can't atone for your sins. And this is something I struggle with, right? Because I'm that, I'm that perfectionist guy. I'm that, I didn't grow up religious, but somehow that bug has bitten me. And I got this in my brain of like, I have to do good stuff because if I don't do good stuff, then he might be mad at me. Like I, I wrestle with this. And if I'm not, I got to remind myself constantly, throw the checklist away. Throw it away. Good day. Oh, bad day. Good day. Bad day. Stop. Stop. Every day is a day of atonement. Every day in Christ is a day of atonement. You're free. Quit trying to work for it. Quit Quit stressing about it. Enjoy the holiday that God has given you. You're free. That's it. 
That was his intent. And joy came for the congregation of Israel when sin had been taken away. Joy comes in our lives when sin has been taken away. Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, sin has been taken away. should be joyful. That's why Christians should be the most joyous people on this planet, because we're set free. Set free. To isolate? No, set free to love and to take care of our neighbors. Set free. Set free to worship God. Set free to love God. Set free to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's the best deal ever. It's the, literally the best deal ever. Um, there is no other religion on this planet that offers this. None. None. None at all. So I, I think this is something we should just embrace and be like, yeah, sweet, right? So chapter 17, we will cover this one. And then that'll be it. That'll be it. And I'm going to let you guys have discussion time. Um, there's some key things within chapter 17. There's a lot of blood in chapter 17. I get it. You're like, I thought we were done with the blood stuff. Well, there's a little bit more. Um, but this chapter is, is, is what we call a hinge chapter in the book of Leviticus, meaning it, we, we transition, okay? We're going to transition into, um, basically, Leviticus is broken into essentially two different books, kind of, Right? And the first 16 chapters deal with these things, and then 17 hinges us or allows us to pivot over to the last part of the book. But chapter 17 is about blood, and it's about atonement, okay? And so let's, let's read through this. It's a short chapter, verse, only 16 verses. Then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to Aaron and his sons, to all the people of Israel. This is what the Lord has commanded. If any native Israelite sacrifices a bull or a lamb or a goat anywhere out inside or outside the camp, instead of bringing it to the entrance of the tabernacle, remember I was telling you that that's kind of the key phrase, to present it you know, at the entrance of the tabernacle, to present it as an offering to the Lord, that person will be as guilty as a murderer. Well, that's kind of harsh. Um, such a person has shed blood and will be cut off from the community. Well, why? Why can't I just sacrifice wherever I want to sacrifice? Well, let me remind you. This thing is God's thing, not your thing. He establishes the parameters. God will be worshipped how he wants to be worshipped. And he defines that. And we're like, well, that seems... He's like, he's a dictator. No, he's a loving heavenly father who knows what's best for us and knows our tendencies. Knows our tendencies. Because if people get this idea of like, well, I could just sacrifice this, sacrifice this thing wherever I want, then they stop coming to the tabernacle. Then they stop showing up. Then they isolate themselves. And they're no longer a part of the community because they can do it on their own. Sound familiar? Sound like anything we we're going through? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with like um, satellite churches. But if you don't have to watch church from home, go to church. Go to church. If you don't have to. If you have to, you have to. Praise God, technology. It's an amazing thing. There's some people watching because they can't be here. And that's fine. But if you can be in fellowship and remember, Hebrews is, is like the parallel for Leviticus. 
And Hebrews tells us, don't forsake the gathering together, especially as you see the day drawing near. And what if, if this was allowed where people could just start offering sacrifices whenever, wherever, then they start to define what the sacrifice is because that's how the human heart is. God says, no, 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 I only want these sacrifices. Well, I'm going to do it on my time, how I want to, and with what I want to. Well, then you just made yourself God. Then you just made yourself God. God's like, no, 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 no. You're going to bring a sacrifice. Bring it to the door of the tabernacle. There's accountability there. There's accountability there. Because some guy may have like a ton of goats, and he picks the, you know, the scraggliest looking goat. It's like, well, this one doesn't really do anything for me, so I'll offer that one up to God. When God has said, no, I want your best. Why don't I want to give you my best? Well, when you got to bring it to the tabernacle, the door of the tabernacle, where it gets inspected, there's accountability there. Because, see, our human hearts are wicked. They're wicked. And when we don't have accountability in our lives, we will just offer to God whatever we want to. And oftentimes he's like, I don't even want that. Keep it. Keep it. So there's accountability stuff uh, thrown into this. And, and God's like, um, yeah, that, that's not good, man. They'll be guilty of blood. They'll be like a murderer. <laughs> so it's very serious. Verse 5. The purpose of this rule is to stop Israelites from sacrificing animals in the open fields. It will ensure that they bring their sacrifices to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle so he can present them to the Lord as peace offerings. Then the priest will be able to splatter the blood against the Lord's altar at the entrance of the tabernacle. See, that wouldn't be available had you offer sacrificed it in your field. See, the blood, which covers the sin doesn't get to do what it's intended to do if you sacrifice it on your own time. No, the, the priests, they need the blood to atone the sins, right? You can't just show up to church and be like, I already did it. I already did it. Look, look at this blood all over me. Look, I already sacrificed. And the priest would be like, it doesn't count. We need the blood for the altar. That's how it works because that's how God designed it. So we're kind of curbing the rebellious element of, of, of humanity here. Um, the other side of that, too, is, and he'll hint on this in a second, but they just came out of Egypt, and they witnessed sacrifice, because back then, almost all of your communities or your nations were sacrificing things, and Egypt was no stranger to sacrificing things. And so the, the Jews, or the Hebrews at that time, um, the Israelites would witness the Egyptians and how they would sacrifice animals to their many gods. And God is saying, no, you don't worship like that. That may have been how you worshiped in the world, but now you're my people and I've set you free from the world. So now you worship how I want you to worship. I don't want you worshiping how the world worships. Okay. So again, just this accountability type thing that's, that's built into this. So he goes on to say, um, verse 8, then the priest will be able to splatter the blood against the Lord's altar at the entrance of the tabernacle. He will burn the fat as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The people must no longer be unfaithful to the Lord by offering sacrifices to 
the goat idols. Um, yours may say goat demons. I kind of like that translation better because that kind of looks, that sounds scarier. Um, goat idols, goat demons, demonic goats uh, kind of changes your whole viewpoint on that scapegoat thing. But um, scapegoat would never turn into a goat demon, I can tell you that. Um, but that's the practices that they saw in Egypt. Okay, These are some of the things that they, they would see in Egypt. And the tendency for the people is you can take people out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't taken out of all the people. You can take people out of the world, but sometimes the world isn't, hasn't been taken out of you, so to speak, right? Like, just be done. If you used to live this way in the world, and now you're in Christ, be done with the way you used to live in the world. Be done with it, okay? Quit sacrificing to those demonic goats, right? We'll say it like that. Maybe you'll remember that better. <laughs> like quit sacrificing to the demon goat, okay? Be done. Be done with that guy. Stay away from that guy. That's crazy. Verse 8, give them this command as well. If any native Israelite or foreigner living among you, I kind of like that, Israelite, and then they had foreigners that weren't Israelites living with them, and they got to worship with them. They had their own kind of rules to a certain extent, but the Lord's like making these, you know, allowances for people. If you wanted to be an Israelite, well then, sweet, you could be an Israelite, but it means that you have to do these things. That's called order. I don't know if our nation knows what that is these days, but um, there's an order to assimilating people into your country. And guess what? Every country has an order. They all do. So uh, I don't know where you stand on these open border issues, um, but every country, if you want to be a citizen, you have to go through a process. I'm not saying ours is right or fair. I don't even know anything about it. But I know this. I, I can't just assimilate into Canadian society because I want to. It's really hard to become a Canadian citizen. Do you know that? It's very difficult. America, it's very difficult to become an American citizen. This is a side note. Um, so any immigrants that come to this nation, here's what the church should do take care of the immigrants, right? Take, like, that's a great mission field. I'm not saying everybody comes in, and I don't, I don't want to get political or anything like that, but I do know this. I had somebody tell me this many years ago. He says, when it comes to immigration, the church should be on the front lines of immigration, meaning they should be there for those people, sharing the gospel with those people, helping those people out, right? And so I don't know, you may be like, I don't want those people here. Okay, whatever. Um, or you might like, no, they should just come and no strings attached. There's, there's no wisdom with that. None at all. Like, none at all. But I think the church, the church should be a light, should be salt. And, and I don't, you know, when it comes to, because we see this all throughout the scriptures. And I know some people take these verses and they go really crazy with them. I'm trying to keep everything balanced, but I see the nation of Israel, and they had outsiders that they welcomed in as themselves. Now, those outsiders had to follow specific rules. That's how it is. You want to become part of the nation of Israel, you know, whether you're um, Ruth later on, or you're going to be, um, you know, Rahab in Jericho, like there's, there's, there's rules and there's stuff because, you know, you have to have order. That's just how it is. But it doesn't mean we, you know, hey, you're not one of us. You can't be one of us. I don't think that there's any logic there either. 
our country is like, man, we're at a, like a weird place. I mean, right? You're like, we don't want to talk about this anymore. Um, I think we should talk about it. I think we should think about it. I think we should pray about it. Because we live in Texas, and our border is like under assault. And uh, man, it's crazy. It's crazy. Maybe that'll be your discussion. No, that's not going to be your discussion question. <laughs> no, because uh, I don't even want to open that can for you guys. Um, what I do know is I read through, these, through, through the Old Testament, and I see the Lord, the Lord loves the foreigner. He does. He loves the foreigner. What does that mean? How do we just love, love the foreigner? I don't know. Help them get their citizenship. Help them take the classes. I don't know. I have friends who were foreigners, and they became United States citizens, dear friends of mine. They went through the process. It took years. It's hard. It's very hard. But they did it. And they had friends that were with them all along the journey to help them from the church to help them through the process, right? I mean, here, it's just, again, it's a, it's a mention. We're going to see this repeated throughout the, um, throughout the Old Testament. But God says, for the Israelites and for the foreigners, those who want to be a part of the group, okay, he addresses that, and I appreciate that. So part of my little side note there, you do with that whatever you will. Maybe you think less of me now. Maybe you appreciate me more now. I don't know. I don't really care. Um, but all I know is that, man, the Lord, he's going after Jews and Gentiles. Even from the Old Testament, we see him going after Jews and Gentiles. It's kind of cool. Concerning the tabernacle, though, and sacrifices. Uh, so you got these the, the foreigners living among you. They can offer burnt sacrifices as well. But this is verse 9, but does not bring it to the entrance of the tabernacle. There's that phrase again, to offer it to the Lord. That person will be cut off from the community. See, again, rules, rules in place, for, not just for some, but for all. Rules in place for all. And if any native Israelite or foreigner living among you eats or drinks blood in any form, gross, uh, I will turn against that person. And I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. Verse 11 is a key verse in all of your Bible. Because it's blood that brings atonement. There is no other way. Don't eat the blood. Don't drink the blood. The blood is meant to cover you. Right? That's what it says right there. Atonement is only possible through blood. There is no other way to heaven other than through Jesus. None. None. All roads do not lead to heaven. They don't. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Why? Because he laid down his life and he poured out his blood for us. Blood is essential. Verse 12, that is why I've said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood. Neither you or the foreigners living among you, right? So some of these guys may be coming from other nations where they would drink blood or they would eat the blood. And because they would do that thinking they could take on the power or the abilities of the animal of the blood they were drinking, right? So they're like, I want to be strong. So they drink the blood of an ox so that it would make them stronger. This is things that they would believe. And God's like, don't do that, right? Don't do that. Again, Whatever was a part of your custom in the past is done. It's done. The blood is meant to cover your, is to cover your sins. Verse 13, if any uh, native Israelite or foreigner living among you goes hunting or kills an animal or a bird that is approved for eating, remember, we went through that list, he must drain its blood 
and cover it with the earth. The life of the very creature is in its blood. That is why I've said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood for the life of any creature is in its blood. So whoever consumes blood will be cut off from the community. Okay, again, hopefully we're getting it, but these guys would get it. And if any native-born Israelites or foreigners eat the meat of any animal that died naturally or was torn up by wild animals, they must wash their clothes, bathe themselves in water. They will remain ceremonially unclean until evening, but, when they, uh, but then they will be clean. But if they do not wash their clothes and bathe themselves, they will be punished for their sins. Like, okay, if you're going hunting, take a bath afterwards, right? Clean yourself up. And again, life is in blood. The life is in blood, right? Back in the day, doctors used to take blood out of people, thinking that would heal them, that would cure them. Now we're giving blood transfusions because we know life is in blood. It's in the blood, right? We're not hooking up leeches to anybody. I hope not anymore, right? Like, trying to get the bad blood out. Well, where's the good blood going to come from, right? No, now we're, we realize... These guys saw this too, like, honor the blood, just honor the blood. The blood was meant for the, set, for the covering of your sins. Don't eat it, don't drink it. Be respectful. Take the blood, let it cover your sins. I mean, that's, and Leviticus, Leviticus is a lot about that. I mean, it's just, it's simple things, but it's also God instructing his people, like, I've, I rescued you. I rescued you. I did all the work. And I want to set you apart from the people, not just the people I rescued you from, but I'm sending you to a new place that is inhabited by people who do not. They live the opposite of what he's instructing them. So just keep that in mind when you're reading through Leviticus. The people that were living in the land that the Israelites had, it was their land before they went to Egypt, are are going back into inherit. A lot of those people are living the opposite way of what God is telling these people to, to live. So oh, just remember that when you read through Leviticus and you're like, when God's telling these guys to, you know, hey, if you're out on a hunting trip and all this stuff, hey, make sure you take a bath, wash your clothes. So what does that tell me about the people who are living in Israel prior to Israelites getting back their land? They, were, they didn't care about cleanliness. They didn't, clear, they didn't care about cleanliness. They had no regard for animal life or anything like that. Not that God is like PETA here or anything like that, but he's just saying like, listen, you, you should respect what I provided for you. And man, worship me like I want to be worshiped, like I've asked you to be worshiped. Well, why should we do it your way? You have a choice to do it the other way if you want, but there's a consequence for that. So wisdom would say, Listen to the Lord. Now, again, what I like about Leviticus is Leviticus is fulfilled by Jesus, by Jesus. So what that means for you and I is, man, I just want to wake up every day as best as I can and say, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do today? I thank you that my sins from yesterday are covered. And if I need to own any of those or repent of any of those, then, then you know, Lord, I want to do that. My sins today will be covered. My sins tomorrow will be covered because of the blood. So I'm free. So I'm free. I'm free to, free to serve. I'm free to follow him. I'm free to be filled with joy. And I, I like that. Hope 
Pastor James Grizzle has been making his way through the book of Leviticus here on Bread for the Broken. Leviticus can be a tough book to get through, with all of its rules and regulations, and sometimes it can be hard to see why we should learn any of that at all today. But every book in the Old Testament points to the person of Jesus. Several of the chapters in Leviticus deal with people who have sinned unintentionally, and then later come to realize their sin. God lays out for them the steps to take in order to receive forgiveness. Now, the people of Israel brought sacrifices to the priests to pay for those sins. But we have a great high priest in Jesus who offered himself as a sacrifice. Leviticus 6-7 says, And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven. How amazing is it that we have this great high priest who has atoned for all of our sins? The mission of Bread for the Broken is to help people find hope and new life in Jesus. If you'd like to join us in that mission, we have an opportunity for you to donate and to help us spread the word. Head on over to breadforthebroken.com to join us in the mission today. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, you can explore all of the other messages and share them with your friends. And if you're in the Galveston, Texas area, we'd love to see you in a service at Calvary Galveston. We're here Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. But if you can't make it, we stream all of our services on Facebook. Well, we're out of time for today. We'll see you again next time here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.